The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at norrisferrychurch.org. I want to welcome you this morning. We invite you to stand with us as we begin our time of worship together. And let's sing this together. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. While shepherds kept their watching O'er silent flocks by night Behold throughout the heavens There shone a holy light The shepherds feared and trembled When low above the Savior's birth Go tell it on the mountain Over the hills and everywhere Go tell it on the mountain That Jesus Christ is born Down in a lowly the humble Christ was born And God sent us salvation That blessed this Christmas morn Oh, tell it on the mountain Over the hills and everywhere Go Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus Christ is born. Hallelujah, hallelujah, he's the Savior of the world. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ is born, that Jesus Christ is born. All right, you can be seated. Well, we want to welcome you this morning. It's Christmas Eve morning. It's not often that we uh, have a Christmas Eve service. But since it is Sunday, uh, we're having one today. Um, we're excited that you're here. We're excited to celebrate the birth of Jesus this morning. That's our focus. And, um, and so this morning, as we've got the kids in here with us this week, which is an unusual thing also, um, we thought we would do kind of a more family-oriented service. And uh, in our family on Christmas Eve, usually we gather together with uh, all the grandparents and family and, and the kids will sing songs or Christmas carols and uh, the family will join in and sing with them and so 
This morning, we thought we would bring our family to you and ask you that you would be a part of our family and, and sing these Christmas carols with us uh, this morning as we celebrate Jesus' birth. Okay, Luke 2, 1 through 7. Now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of, to the city of David, which is called, called Bethlehem. Because he, was the, because he was of the house of da- and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, he was engaged to him and was with the child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn.
14. In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. I want to invite you to stand with us as we sing. Oh 
Father God, we thank you for Christmas. Father, a season where the whole world changes because of a little baby that came to earth, your son. Lord, we thank you for this day, Father, where we're gathered together to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Lord, we can only imagine the wonder that the shepherds must have felt when the angels appeared and told them that a Savior, your Son, has been born, the Savior of the world. God, this morning, I pray that through our songs and through our teaching of your Word, Father, that we would worship you with thankful hearts because of the gift of your Son, Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you love us. We see it on display through Jesus' birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. And we thank you for Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. Merry Christmas. What an awesome, awesome day. I'm just going to try to say this without getting emotional. Not going to work. But looking at this family just absolutely blows me away. And I am so thankful for y'all. And I can't look at you because I'll start crying. Anyway, we love y'all so much. And it's such a blessing to have y'all's family Uh, leading us in worship. I want to invite all the kids, and if you are 35 years old, you consider yourself a kid, come on up. All the kids, come on up front. I want to have a Christmas time with you guys. Y'all are in the perfect spot, so y'all can stay. I want to talk about the Lord's Supper and Christmas, and so y'all can kind of sit in chairs, sit on the ground, or sit on these stairs, wherever you would like. 
I want to I want to just have a special time. Wow, look at See this is what's going on in the back when we're all in here. I always, you know, there was one Sunday that I wasn't preaching that I was back and they they made me work in the nursery just to make sure I knew what was going on uh, when I started getting long-winded uh, in my sermons. Uh, so uh, it is so great to see y'all. Are y'all okay? Y'all want to sit there or do y'all want to sit up here with them? I didn't mean that y'all had to stay there. Y'all are welcome to to move if you'd like. Woo, y'all look pretty, you got your, and, and handsome, you got your Christmas outfits on. Man, our church is just so blessed. Look at yours, I like that. Did you want me to look at yours special? I like pink, that's beautiful, Christmas pink. Well, uh, who, who likes Christmas? Raise your hand. Oh, me, all right. Here, y'all, I feel like I'm blocking y'all out. Y'all come up here, come on up. I told y'all to stay there, and then I told y'all to move. I'm sorry. I changed my mind, but I didn't want to put my back to y'all the whole time. Okay, well, uh, what's the first thing uh, you think of when you think of Christmas? Presents. Boom. I like the honesty. Christmas trees. What else? Santa. Santa ornaments. What else? Star. Yeah, we got one that is very talkative. <laughs> what is your name? Nora, oh, we're, oh, uh, shut it down, all right, I love it, y'all, oh, this is great. The church has grown so much, I used to know every child's name, and now I can't, I can't pull it off anymore, so, I, but now I'm seeing, I knew yours was Nora, so that's good, I got that one right. Thank you for being Nora, so I knew who your dad was, and it didn't embarrass me. Um, well, okay, so anybody else can think of anything else that comes to mind when you think of Christmas? Tuberville. What? Christ is Lord, birth of Christ, Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. This is all good stuff. Well, oh gosh, I just can't take it. Can I take her home with me? All right, all right. Um, So I want to give you something else to think about at Christmas that maybe you haven't thought about before, and we call it the Lord's Supper. And so today, at the end of the service, you're gonna, I'm going to go up and teach on the Bible, and then while I'm teaching on the Bible, you're going to sit with your families, and at the end of the service, you're going to see us pass these things around to your parents, and, and uh, maybe you have some older brothers and sisters, too, that, that uh, we want you to know what's going on, and as you see some things that you don't know what's going on, I want you to remember, and all the questions that you have, when you go home, ask your parents those questions. It's a great opportunity for you to ask them, what in the world were y'all doing and why were you doing that? So I'm going to give you some of the answers now, but we hope this gives you lots of questions to go home and ask your parents, what does this mean? And so let me give you a sneak peek at some of the things we're doing. These are little crackers. They're kind of like um, unleavened bread, and we get this from the Bible. That's right. We get this from the Bible that this is... Uh, they, they had unleavened bread. The last day that Jesus had supper with his followers, with his disciples, he, he was at a dinner table with them, kind of like this. And he, op- he broke the bread with them and, and said, I want you to do this. Every time you eat this bread, I want you to remember that I'm going to give my body for you on the cross. So who was talking? Who was talking? Did I, I just told you about a story. Who was that talking? Jesus was talking. And who was he talking to? his disciples, his followers, and then he showed them when he passed the bread around, what did he say that bread represented? His body. That What happened to his body on the cross? He was dying. It's right. That's exactly right. He died on the cross, and he did that for our, to take our sins away. And so I'm going to give you another example, another uh, something. This is juice. Of, this is grape juice in little cups that we're going to pass around and drink. Guess what that kind of is a, is a symbol of? What does that make you think of? Blood. That's right. It, it's not blood. Is this really blood? Ew, no, we're not. We're not drinking that, okay? This is juice. And so it's a reminder of Jesus' body on the cross that he died, and he was a real person who had real blood like us, but he was God-man. And so when he shed his blood and he was when he was hung on the cross his body was pierced it was for our sins that we could have eternal life that's what the bible teaches and so at the end of the service you're going to feel like what in the world is all this going on and you're going to help them pass it but uh we want you to watch your parents take it watch your parents take the the cracker the the body and the blood the, the symbols of body and blood 
and I want you to ask lots of questions when you get home. And if they have any questions they can't answer, tell them to call Mr. Granger. And Mr. Granger will give them all the answers. That's right. All right? So, so uh, one or two questions about this. Anybody have a question or two? Nora, I am so glad you had a question. This is a question, I promise. A lizard. Oh, good. Thank you. She saw a lizard. I'm not sure if she said she ate it or she just saw it, but we can talk about that later. That's right. Does anybody have any questions before I close this in a word of prayer? What? Who said yes? No, yes, changed his mind. All right, well, let me close this in prayer. Thank you, beautiful children. Y'all look so beautiful in your Christmas gear. Let me pray. Lord, thank you so much for these beautiful children and these wonderful families who are raising these children to know Jesus, to love Jesus, to trust Jesus. Lord, as we pass the Lord's Supper around at the end of the service, I pray these children will watch their parents participate and that they will want to participate, but they will know that they have to learn about Jesus and grow up and love and trust Jesus and that one day that they will trust Jesus as the forgiveness of their sins and that even at this early age, the best they know how, that they will love and trust and obey Jesus. And I pray that our family, our church family, We'll, we'll pray for these children and that we will raise up the next generation of saints to walk in the glory of God. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, y'all go sit with your families and let's see how we can listen to the teaching of God's word now. Thank you so much. Yes, Nora, you can go. You wanted to stay with me and teach, didn't you? What beautiful children. All right, moms, dads, children, we're going to be in our, our Matthew. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew, but we can turn to chapter 7. We're skipping ahead to the very end of the Sermon on the Mount because it's a great uh, little, little two verses that we can use today uh, that tie it to what we're doing today and what Christmas is all about. So when you parents, when you think about Christmas, what impacts you? What is the theme that jumps out at you at Christmas, and, and, and I want you to do just like the children. Do like Nora did. Just teach, just, just talk, and let me know what you think. What do you think of when you think of Christmas? Themes. Nora, what do you think when you think about Christmas? Presents. All right. Thank you, Nora. I'm glad. Now teach the parents. How do we respond? All right. What do you think of when you think of Christmas? Think of themes. Hope. Thank you, Joe. Joe and Nora. We were very proud of y'all. <laughs> That's right. What else? Hope. And then someone said giving. Giving. Family. What did you say? He's like, no, you look at me. I'm going to say it again. Jesus' birthday, giving, hope. Any other themes? What, Norian? The incarnation. That's God taking on flesh. Wow, another incarnation. Good. Emmanuel, God with us. So these are all wonderful themes, things that impact us at Christmas. Today we're going to look at what impacted the people as they sat at Jesus' feet. And he's been teaching them, uh, we've been studying this Sermon on the Mount. And I want to see what impacted them and make sure that we too are impacted by the same thing. Let's just Fast forward in the sermon, if you've been with us for a while, we're going through the five discourses in the Gospel of Matthew, and those discourses are just times where Jesus sat down with his disciples and he taught them. And at the very end of Matthew, he sends them. He says, now, now go and make disciples of all nations. And so we've been on the first discourse, which is called the Sermon on the Mount, and for today we're just fast forwarding to the very last part of this sermon to see what Matthew has to say impacted the disciples and the crowds as they listened. Listen to what he says in Matthew 7, and we're looking at just two verses today, verses 28 and 29. So we're at the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount, recorded by Matthew in his gospel, because he was one of the followers that were there, and Matthew tells us what impacted the crowds the most. He says, when Jesus finished these sayings, his Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus finished his sermon... The crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as their scribes. Lord, as we look at your authority today, I pray that we will be impacted 
by your unique, absolute authority that you carry. And may it impact us. May we be confronted with it this morning. And may we submit to you and your authority. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so first let's notice the crowd. That's who he says. Matthew doesn't mention the disciples this time. All the attention has been on the disciples during the sermon. Jesus has his disciples sitting at his feet on a mountain. That's why it's called the Sermon on the Mount. But outside, beyond the disciples that are sitting and listening, teaching, he's teaching his disciples, but he knows there are crowds gathered around listening. Now, I imagine this Christmas Eve service, there are crowds, there are throngs of people literally all around the globe sitting at the feet, listening to people teach the Word of God. There are crowds here today. People are drawn to Jesus on this Christmas Eve. There is something about Christmas and Easter that people say, I am still going to be drawn to church. And so today, as we sit at the feet of Jesus, we're considering how the crowds reacted to Jesus' sermon. Now, who was in the crowd? The crowd were many different people with many different, uh, on many different journeys, they were, these were people, if you, if you read the Gospel of Matthew and you read what was going on, you, you hear that they saw Jesus. We're going to look at some things today. They, they heard about the birth of this Jesus. They heard about his baptism. They heard about his miracles. And they were touched. And they were interested. Some were skeptical. Perhaps some people here today on, on Christmas, almost at Easter, but on Christmas Eve are skeptical. I'm not sure what this is all about, but it's just the thing you do on Christmas. Others, perhaps, are very uh, interested. They've been touched. There's something that has captured their attention about the, the power. Or maybe you've seen how Jesus has changed a person's life. And you're just there's something about that person that you want what they have. And so you've been touched by it and you're interested. And so you're here today. There are people who are skeptics. There's people who are seekers. There are people who are interested. But all of us, as we sit, I pray, will be impacted just like the crowds who were there that day. So what impacted them specifically that day? It says that they were astonished. That they were astonished at his teaching. And when that, that word astonished literally can be translated, they were dumbfounded. They were awestruck. They were, they were touched. They were moved. They were impacted. They were dumbfounded. By his teaching. But what in particular does it say that they were astonished at Jesus' teaching? Look at verse 29 again. He says, For Jesus was teaching them as one who had authority, not as their scribes. The crowd was struck by Jesus' unique authority. His power, his authority, he spoke in such a way, he taught in such a way that it, it just, they were dumbfounded by his authority. And it says specifically his unique authority. His authority was different than the authority of their religious rulers. The most religious authoritative people in their lives were the scribes. And it says the crowds were just like, now his teaching is different than the scribes. There's something different about this man. And they were impacted. They were dumbfounded. They were struck by it. They couldn't, couldn't leave the same. It, it changed their lives. It confronted them. His authority was, was unique. It was different than the scribes. When you think about the type of authority the scribes have, it, it, it's, it's an authority that was based on their tradition. It was authority that was based on appealing to someone else's authority. It was an authority that they had that they had because they were in a line of scribes, a long succession of teachers who had studied the word of God and who, who could say, look, I am in the same line of this rabbi. And so for them to teach the people, they would quote rabbis and their ability to quote certain rabbis that had fame or, or reputation is where they found their authority. Their authority was based in others. It's not a lot unlike preachers, any authority I have. I don't stand here with any of my own authority. If you're here for my authority, you're going to be sadly disappointed. 
how could any young preacher, I'm not so young anymore, but how could some of the young men that we train up to teach the word when I'm training them and I say, hey, you know why you can stand there as a 22-year-old and preach to someone who's 60 years old and has so much more experience and wisdom than you is to the extent that you are saying, thus saith the Lord. That's the authority that we come from. But we don't point to our own authority. We're a lot like the scribes. We point to others who we stand on their shoulders. In our tradition, we are coming from the evangelical line of of scholars. We say what they have said, that my interpretation of the word, my study of the word with the the guidance of the Holy Spirit, but what what you, you give me credit for the fact that I stand on the shoulders of many scholars And so my authority is gleaned much from a long line of tradition of others who, in our tradition, says that our authority comes from the Word of God. But you trust that when I interpret that Word, I'm in line with a long succession of scholars who fall into the evangelical faith. And so, much like the scribes, they heard that our authority is much like the scribes. And so much like you, the crowds have been coming and they've been hearing and they hear teachers and they hear preachers and they hear scribes. But then one day, this unique individual who has impacted thousands of lives by this point, that there's crowds that are just, what is different about him? And they're skeptics, and they're interested, and they're seeking, and they're unsure. And some are already, they're just on the edge. And they're sitting, and they're listening. What is he saying to his disciples? And Matthew, who was there, says, he looks around, and he says, they were dumbfounded. They were astonished. This is a very powerful reaction. They they could not believe the authority that this man taught with, it's not like anyone else. When Jesus taught, he did not appeal to previous rabbis. When Jesus spoke, he did not quote famous people and did not quote other scholars. Jesus taught from his own inherent authority. Jesus exalted himself above every scribe of their day. Jesus exalted himself above every rabbi who had ever taught. Jesus exalted himself above their scriptures. Jesus said, I fulfill the scriptures that they are trying to interpret. Jesus said, I wrote the scriptures, I fulfilled the scriptures, everything in your scriptures are about me. Jesus said, oftentimes, as you remember, as we study the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, now you have heard it said. And they would, he would quote some of their teachings. He would say, but truly, truly, I say to you. You have heard them say, but I say to you. Over and over, Jesus spoke based on his own authority. Jesus exalted himself above every scribe, above every rabbi, above the the law of Moses, above the law that God gave Moses and his people. And he said, I have absolute authority. In fact, the entire gospel of Matthew, where we find the Sermon on the Mount which contains the Christmas story we'll look at in just a minute. The entire gospel, the entire story of Christmas is very concerned to point out Jesus' ultimate, absolute, unique authority. Open your Bibles if you brought them to Matthew 1.18. Let's just get a cursory review of Matthew's gospel, the Christmas story, And we'll conclude just the Sermon on the Mount and show you how it is all very concerned that we are impacted this Christmas season by the authority, the absolute, unique, inherent, ultimate authority of Jesus Christ. Listen to Matthew 1.18. You will recognize this as the birth declaration, the birth announcement of Jesus in Matthew 1.18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ. See if you can pick out the, the, the emphasis 
on authority. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Father was God. And her husband Joseph, being being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But he But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, God himself. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the prophet said, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And what does Emmanuel mean? It means God with us. When Joseph woke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So the story of Christmas emphasizes Jesus was not born the seed of a man, but the seed of God by the Holy Spirit. Jesus fulfills the Old Testament scriptures. It says, just as the prophets had said this would happen, he fulfilled it. They are all about Jesus. The scriptures were in submission to Jesus. He will be saved. He will save his people from their sins. His name will be called Emmanuel, which means the God of all authority, with us. You keep reading, you get to Matthew chapter 2, turn to chapter 2, 1 through 6. More in the, the announcement of, the, of the, the king has been born. Notice the king idea of authority. Now, verse 1, 2, 1. After Jesus was born, children, who visited Jesus when he was born? Children, who visited Jesus when he was born? Three what? Three wise men. Have you ever heard them called kings? We three kings of Orient all. So these, these kings, these wise men. Now, kings are used to having all authority. Kings are used to the ones, everyone bowing down to them. But children, these kings are coming to a baby to do what? To worship and to bow down to this baby. As we, so we see in this scene, great authority of Jesus. It says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea to the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born what? King. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, another king hears about these kings coming to visit Jesus and coming to bow down to Jesus. What does this other king Herod do? He was troubled. His authority is being threatened and all Jerusalem with him and assembling all the chief priests and scribes and people. He inquired of them, where is this Christ, another authoritative term, where is this anointed king to be born? They told him in Bethlehem in Judea for the prophets. It had been written by the prophets. And here's the prophecy. You, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So the the visit of the wise men is all about authority. Jesus is being recognized as the ultimate authority, this baby in a manger that we, we have sweet memories about Christmas and the scene of Christmas. It is about the king who has all authority being born in a very humble scene, in a humble manger. In Matthew 3, in his baptism, he's going public. Jesus has grown up. He has lived a perfect life. And he's going public with his ministry. And at the baptism, listen to what is said in verse 16, Matthew 3, 16. When Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. Behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son the Son of God, with whom I'm well pleased. And then Jesus began to teach in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. He went through all Galilee, it says in 423, teaching in their synagogues, 
coming up in the middle of their houses of worship and teaching with all the rabbis, with all the scribes, with all the people listening. He's teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, saying the kingdom has arrived with me and doing what? Healing every disease. He has authority over our health. And casting out demons. He had authority over the demons. Over every affliction among the people. And that's why the crowds were sitting and listening. What is this man all about? They've heard about his birth. They've heard about the kings. They've heard about the baptism. They've heard about the healings. They've heard about the the exorcisms. They've heard about this man. And he's called some people and they've followed him and they're sitting at his feet and he's teaching them. And the crowds say, I want to listen in like we are today. Some seekers, some skeptical, some with just genuine questions, some ready to pull the trigger. And they're listening. And he begins to speak. And in the Sermon on the Mount that we've been studying, he doesn't appeal to rabbis. He says, I say to you. And repeatedly he exalts himself over the teaching of the scribes. You've heard them say, but I say to you. He says, I fulfill the scriptures. The scriptures are about me. He speaks with absolute inerrant authority. He spoke as if what he said was universal truth. He declared the arrival of God's kingdom with himself. He declared who would be great in the kingdom and who would be the least in the kingdom. He defined who would be blessed in the kingdom and who would not be blessed in the kingdom. He defined and explained the values of the kingdom, the norms of God's kingdom. And with no hesitation, with no wavering in doubt, Jesus declared who could inherit the kingdom. Who would be blessed by God and who would experience the wrath of God? He said that by his words hang the very essence of being wise or being a fool. God spoke in all absolute truth with all authority. And we are confronted with that today. Just like the crowds. And we should be dumbstruck. We should be awestruck. We should be profoundly impacted by the truth that God took on flesh. And entered into our humble existence. Fighting and tempted and experiencing all the pain and sorrow and suffering and temptation that all of us face. This means we should be confronted today, and there's, there's two application points. With all the authority that we see in Jesus, it means two things for our lives. Lots of other things, but let's just look at two. Number one, it means he alone has the authority to forgive sins. He says it all over the gospel. I tried looking at it, I was like, I don't have time for all these places that Jesus says, I have the authority to forgive sins. Think about the paralytic, he says. Pick up your mat and go, oh, how could you tell him to pick up your mat and go? Is, is it harder to heal or to forgive sins? Only Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. Jesus says all of us are measured by what we do with his teaching. We're either declared wise or fools. We are blessed or cursed based on what we do with what Jesus said Jesus corrects all other teachings in the world, religions of how to be reconciled with God, how to have eternal life, how to have our sins forgiven. Jesus says that he was born the son of God. He took on flesh in order to live the perfect life so that we couldn't live to give the death for our sin that we deserved. Jesus says that he has the authority to forgive sins. In Matthew 1, 21, she will bear a son. You will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from his sins. Matthew 3, 6, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. In Matthew 9, 2, behold, some people brought a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, take heart, my son, your sins 
are forgiven. The fact that Jesus has all authority given to him, he has the authority to forgive your sins. Have you trusted Jesus alone for your sins to be cleansed and forgiven? You can't work them off. You can't do it any other way. There is only one hope. God in all his authority entered into earth and he died to pay the price for your sins. Trust Jesus today. Greatest Christmas present you can give your family. Experience the cleansing and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. When we take the Lord's Supper and we eat of the the cracker and we drink of the juice, we are proclaiming that we believe that Jesus' death, his body, his blood is the only way that we have had our sins forgiven. If you have had your sins forgiven by trusting only in Jesus Christ, we invite you to participate in the Lord's Supper. If you have not, then I consider you to use this time of reflection to consider trusting Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins. The second application is this. Jesus says in Matthew 28 and 19 and 20, 18 through 20, Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth, has been given to me. And with that authority, I tell you, my followers, Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The Christmas message to us as disciples of Jesus is go and make disciples. And all these beautiful children here is where you start, making disciples. And then outside the walls of the church, we take the gospel to to the ends of the earth so that every tongue of every tribe of every nation will glorify God as we become disciples of Jesus Christ. As we move into a time of the Lord's Supper, that's what we should be thinking about. We want to ask the Lord to... Be with us in this time. These are symbols. These are are symbols of deeper meanings, but the Holy Spirit is with us in the time of the Lord's Supper. So I pray that we are considering the authority of God as we look partake of the Lord's Supper. This is open to all believers. If you're not a member of this church, you're welcome to participate as long as you are trusting solely in the body and the blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. We'll pass out the elements Please wait and partake together as a body. I'll lead you in time of partaking it. And we get this Lord's Supper. Just one of the scriptures that teaches on this is 1 Corinthians 11, 23. Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. So I invite the stewards to come. And as we pass out the elements, would you just be in a prayer time of prayer examining your heart? As as Paul instructs us, examining your, your own heart, trusting in Christ, repenting, submitting again to the authority of Christ. Father, we rest only in your righteousness the righteousness of Jesus Christ, your perfect son. As we remember his death, may we remember that he died, giving him, demonstrating his authority to cleanse us of our sins, to heal us, to declare us righteous in order to satisfy your own righteousness and your own justice. We remember his eternal love and boundless grace. May we receive the assurance of forgiveness, eternal life, and the hope of glory. And Father, as we partake in this ordinance, may you examine our hearts to reveal to us areas we need to bring into submission under your authority. May you be our treasurer and our master. This is the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was given for us. Together we eat.
Lord, as we remember your body that was shed for us, Lord, we know that it was pierced for our sin, our transgression. And we remember only your death can pay for our sins. The blood of our Jesus Christ, which was shed for the forgiveness of our sins, let us drink together. Father God in heaven, we praise you, for without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. We thank you that you came as a humble baby in a manger with all the authority of all the universe. And you lived the perfect life. You displayed your authority with miracle after miracle over every effect of sin. Demonstrated you have the power to forgive sin. And Lord, we pray that we will remember this Christmas Eve, this Christmas season, that you are the God of the universe and that you offer the forgiveness of sins and you command us to go and make disciples of all nations. We declare that with our lives. It's in Christ's glorious name we pray. Amen. Let us sing this one closing song together. I invite you to stand with us. Hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn King Peace on earth and mercy mild God and sinners reconciled Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies, with angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, made in time heaven-born prince of peace. Hail the heaven-born prince of peace. Hail the son of righteousness. Light and life to all he brings. Risen with healing in his wings.
All right, what a beautiful Christmas Eve service. Thank you so much for sharing with us and bringing your family to join us. Thank you for listening to audio from Norris Ferry Community Church located in Shreveport, Louisiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Norris Ferry Community Church, please visit us online at norrisferrychurch.org.